Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Craig, Superintendent of West Aurora Schools, and welcome to podcast number 22 featuring Dr. Chuck Hiscock, our principal of West Aurora High School. Dr. Hiscock's impressive background includes having served in the U.S. Army with tours in Alabama, San Francisco, and the Republic of Panama, as well as having been an illustrator, art teacher, coach, dean of students, associate principal, and now principal. Chuck, I appreciate you being with us today. Finally, we got you here to the table because I know how much you love doing this. You know it. I love it. <laughs> you know, um, a lot of people just kind of see because your your long tenure here uh, as, as high school principal, but they don't know a lot of your background. I mentioned a little bit of it, but if you could share a little bit of your history with our audience and, uh, you know, people probably a little bit of curious, um, you know, with curiosity, joy and complexity, curious about your stint in the Army, why the Army and why art education? Okay, that's uh, well, the Army wasn't my first choice. So I actually went to uh, college initially on an athletic scholarship and uh, didn't do very well. So um, I'm maybe one of the few high school principals that is actually a college dropout. <laughs> so I left, uh, the, left, left the university that I, that I started at uh, before they could kick me out. And uh, the, the Army was an option. And, uh, and the, Ar- the Army presented some opportunities to uh, grow up a little bit. And so it was a good experience. Uh, not one that I enjoyed the entire time I was in, but it was probably one of the better things that's happened. Outstanding. That's, and that's something that... Um you know, it goes back to you know, your mantra a lot of times is, is having some resilience and grits. And so when you find a little bit of a resistance or a challenge, uh, regroup and, and re-pursue. And certainly you are an example of that. So art education, a big passion of yours. Yep. How did that, that come about? So I, when I got out of the Army, I, I worked a bunch of different jobs. Um, I've always been interested in art, was involved in art, um, you know, throughout my high school career. And then that was my major when I went to college the first time. Um, so when I, I was working construction at one point and my father asked me, you know, is this something you can, do you feel like you could do for the rest of your life? And I was kind of like, you know, not really. I mean, I was, I enjoyed working hard. I like working with my hands, but it wasn't something I wanted to pursue. So he encouraged me to go back to school. So I went back to school to become an illustrator, so huh. commercial artist, worked as a commercial artist for a while. And then, um, so I wasn't in education at all. Is actually coaching my younger brother. I, I coached his football team, his wrestling team. Uh, he's quite a bit younger than me. And one of my former coaches uh, recognized what I was doing coaching-wise and said, hey, you know, you're pretty good at this. This is something you should consider getting into. I think you'd be a really good teacher, a really good coach. And uh, so that, that kind of planted the seed a little bit. I went back to school, got my uh, teaching degree, and the rest is history. Art made sense because that's what I had my experience in. And became very proficient in and uh, really had some great success in it and uh, have passed those passions on. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, those passions for art uh, a little bit later here. But I want to talk a little bit more in depth about uh, we have a significant history. In fact, it played a very major role uh, for uh, my matriculation into District 129 um, eight years ago, um, having a knowledge of you and having a trust in uh, who you were uh, to lead a very large high school. But our history went back. You started here in 2013, came over from District 99 uh, being an associate principal. And so this is your ninth year as principal here. And then I came in in 2014, so this is my eighth year. But our relationship started back in 1993, just a few short 30 years ago. And I think that's, that played a significant role in our relationship now, um, certainly uh, developed our trust of each other, of how we work. And I think one of the things that I've, um, I've come to hear, and we probably have a very common theme, 
is thinking about how we encourage participation in athletics and activities. And um, I know you have a very specific philosophy about kids getting involved, but I would encourage you, if you could, share with us how that participation in activities in athletics, how that impacts our academics. Okay, so academics is a, is a, is a part of school. It's, an, it's a super, super important part of school, but it's not the only part of school. Activities in athletics, participating in those things outside of the academic school day, make a tremendous difference. And, I, and I'll give you an example. So with the example we use all the time uh, that, that Mr. Buckley and Ms. Kegerice refer to all the time is our athletes and, and our students that are involved, their grade point average is a full grade point higher than the rest of the school population. And that's significant. That's a significant uh, difference. Uh, but but it goes more, it's more than that. It's not just the academics. So I think it, it helps the academics because you're having – you have a coach, you have, a, you have other students, you have other, other people that are doing positive things, which has a positive impact in class. But it's the other things. It's, it's um, athletes and students who are involved in theater, uh, music, whatever activity you're involved in, they're more disciplined. They're, they're more committed. They create relationships with how to work as a team member. They persevere. So I'll give, you know, if you're an athlete, we were both wrestlers, and you get your, your, your butt kicked in a match, you got to come back from that. And, and you learn how to persevere over things that don't go your way. Absolutely. You know, you lose a football game because you because of a bad call, uh, you know, something like that. And um, it teaches you lessons that all those things transfer, not only to the classroom, but they transfer lifelong. So I can't imagine being who, my, who I am today if I had not been an athlete. It just, it just would be incomprehensible. I don't, know, I don't know where I'd be. I'd absolutely agree with that. I think, you know, especially when you take just case in point the last two years, without some grit, some tenacity, some ability to overcome really big challenges that we've learned in our extracurricular activities. Um, I think it would have been really easy to fold our tents and say, I quit or fall down or let somebody else take the heat. Uh, but you're right, that really builds a lot of resilience in our kids. You know, I'm, I'm reminded um, we probably have a very similar mantra and a very similar philosophy, but I know that you go out of your way to tell parents and kids, especially our incoming freshmen every single year, you have that same address to them. And if you could tell our audience what that is and why you encourage that. I've had a pretty consistent message. I changed it a little bit this year because I knew we had parents that were coming back that have heard it several times. But my, my first message is challenge yourself. So the message basically is this. It, it, it's not when are you going to take, it's not if you're going to take an advanced class, an honors class, a, a, what we call a reach class. It's when. When are you going to challenge yourself and, and how important it is to challenge yourself? So don't, I tell students, don't take, don't take the easy way. The easy way doesn't get you anywhere. And we, so we try to tell parents uh, and students and get them to understand that overcoming difficulty makes a difference. And so if you take the easy path, you're never going to really get where you need to get. The other message that we, we always, we consistently share, and we have been uh, really stressing this lately, is that there are multiple pathways to success. So... Uh, we did a we did a real disservice to education. I, I'm going back to when I started and you started, where we eliminated a lot of opportunities for students. We, I think it was related to, you know, some government studies and a nation at risk and, and and some of these other things. Where, okay, we're to measure of successful school not but based on how many students go to college. Okay, well, every kid is not a college kid, and so what that what that means is you're devaluing pathways that, that don't go through a college. And I'll give you an example. One of my best friends, super successful, one of the smartest people I know, was not a school person, didn't like school. Um, he did okay in school, but he, he, it wasn't something he wanted to pursue. 
He graduated from high school, got a job as a laborer on a construction business. Learned the construction business. Eventually started his own construction and company. He's my age. He is now retired living the good life huh. and a multimillionaire. His pathway was different than mine. Absolutely. You know, I decided to go to college. I wasn't successful the first time around. But it, so what we did with, with adopting that college is for everybody, it's the only option, is we kind of devalued some of the other things. So now what we're doing is we're experiencing a, a, a serious shortage of qualified welders, machinists, uh, mechanics, carpenters. And, and we need to train these people, but we can't, we can't find programs to train these people. And they're important. They're essential, they're essential occupations that we need. And I think the important part is we decided to, we can't find those programs, so we made our own programs. Right. right. And uh, we're going to do our part to uh, re get, redirect and provide those opportunities for our kids. Yeah, so getting back to your, to your initial question, that w there's multiple pathways. I want kids to explore multiple pathways. What do I want to do? What do I like to do? And then let's adjust your plan based on what you want to do. But no matter what you pursue, it's about challenging yourself and, and, and not always taking the easy way, pushing yourself past difficulties, things like that. And then the last thing I always tell parents and students at that freshman, incoming freshman night is what we just talked about, get involved in school. The number one regret seniors express when they do end of, end of career surveys, I didn't get involved enough in high school. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, we always tell parents, this is the only four years you get to choose because after this, they choose you. And uh, super, super important, um, there's so many opportunities that was specifically West High activities, um, athletics, clubs. Uh, there is a niche for every kid, we believe. And um, you guys do a great job of really promoting that. Super important. It's, uh, we try to. Our, our people in charge of those activities are tremendous. You bet. I'm going to put a little more focus back on you a little bit. Prior to 2013, when you got here, there was, there was a lot of change in the leadership at the high school. Um, and the last nine years, I think you've really done a great job. I think even staff that may kind of uh, not totally align with you certainly would agree you provided stability. Uh, you provided consistency. And, um, and I think people appreciate that. At least they know what's in front of them. But, uh, you know, we found when we talked to uh, uh, colleagues uh, from around the state that they don't know what West Aurora really is all about. I think they're shocked when they find out what we're made up of and who we are. So if you could, for those folks listening, if you could talk about what's that West Aurora high school community look like, uh, feel like, what goes into making up that culture and, and climate? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting you said that because before I came to West, I had no idea about West. It's it's one of the best kept secrets in the state, I think, is um, our community is amazing. And I will tell anybody who will listen, somebody asked me, what well, a lot of times we're doing interviews right now to hire teachers. They always ask, well, what, what's West like? What do you like most about? What are you proudest about West? I'm like, our community, West Royal High School is different than any other school community I've ever been in. So this is 30 years for me this year. And, um, you know, I've been in three different school districts, excellent school districts. But the staff and student at West are different. The community's different. They believe in the school. Uh, they're committed to the school. Uh, our staff is the most student-centered staff I've ever been around. Um, they go out of their way to focus everything they do on what's good for our students. And it's not an act. It's, it's legit. That's, that's exactly what they're interested in. Our students are completely committed to each other. I've never been a place where, where students are so supportive of, of each other. And um, I don't know if that comes from this, this community just being traditionally supportive. 
but it, it's, it's a real thing. It's noticeable when you come in the building. People, when we take them on a tour, new teachers, they, they can't believe how friendly the students are, how, uh, how students interact with each other. It's, it's really impressive. You know, that's a, ever since I've been here, and I, I've heard you say this many, many times, we have really nice kids. You know, you can, you can make a lot of other comments about them, but one thing that people always land on, we have really nice kids. Yeah. And when we invite folks to come visit our building because they have a, a perception, usually a misperception, we invite them to come in and they find out that we have just really decent people in our buildings. And that certainly goes a long way. I know you don't make those comments lightly. No, and I think that's the reason. So we have a tremendous amount of our staff that are alumni. And then we have a tremendous amount of staff members who send their kids to West Aurora High School. I don't think you send your kids to the high school you work at unless you believe in what you're doing. And both of those attributes, I think, are very uh, unusual or unique. I'm not sure that you go to a lot of big high schools and find the number. We're several hundred, if I'm correct, of alumni that work in our district. Right. Which is really, uh, it's a nice attribute to say we believe in what we're doing. Right. Yeah, there's no question about that. Over the years, you have established uh, some, not only a priority, but some expertise in providing quality feedback, not only at West High, but usually at the secondary level, if not district-wide, when it comes to whether it's evaluation processes and how we provide quality feedback to staff. Talk to me a little bit about why that is so important to you and, and how you utilize that. Well, feedback, anytime you're trying to learn something, feedback is critical. So we, when we work with teachers, we talk all the time about students need feedback. Um, students need to be able to self-reflect. Uh, in order for students to grow, they need to, under, they need to understand where they're trying to go. And the same thing applies to evaluating staff members or giving staff members feedback. I think um, it would be a disservice for me as the, as the principal to not give staff valuable feedback because they're so focused on doing what's right for kids. Our, our staff, getting back to our staff, our staff is so committed to helping our students mm. that it would be a disservice for me not to give them feedback to help them to get better based on the 30 years and thousands of classrooms that I've been in, I think I have some pretty good ideas of what works and what doesn't. Sure. And so just giving people suggestions, say, hey, this is, this was a great lesson. I think the kids learned this. I think maybe, maybe how could we make it a little bit better? So it's not evaluative. It's, it's not critical. It's not a gotcha. It's just a, Hey, how can, how can we get better? And our, our teachers embrace that. Our teachers, um, we really try to make the evaluation process collaborative. Um, and I think if we focus on that, so here's what I saw. Here's what I really liked. Here's some things we can tweak to make it better for the kids. I think, I think everybody wants that. And I think the side of that comes back, and some of the language that you use goes back to your early years of coaching and utilizing it um, now instead of athletics and extracurriculars, using it in the classroom to coach our staff to improve and not to find ways to put the net around them, I mean, the gotcha, as you say, uh, but this is more of a, a, an instrument to, to coach them uh, to be better uh, because if they become improved, our kids benefit. Right. And I think one of, the, one of the commitments the district has made the last year or two is, is um, that's not just coming from admi administrators. Now we've created some programs now where teachers go into classes and help other teachers. Help each other. Give people feedback on what they're doing and, and how can we get better. So it's not an administrator coming in and saying, hey, do this. It's another teacher saying, hey, have you thought about – Maybe trying your, your group discussion this way, or have you tried uh, shifting your lesson plan so that you do this first? And then it, it's all really, really positive. You know, and educators that are listening to this conversation can have some really good takeaways 
because you don't just put lip service to uh, the evaluation process and make it sound nice. And it's not a checklist anymore. Uh, there's real value and a lot of time that, that you invest and encourage your, your teams to invest in getting in those classrooms and really having um, those valuable conversations to, 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 to look at those improvements. Uh, let's accentuate their strengths and their gifts and talents, but to look at some of their blind spots where they can shore those up so that the kids benefit in our classrooms. Right. And so. it's not a, it's not a, the checklist thing. When I started at West, we had a checklist mm. and um, it just doesn't give you any valuable feedback at all. It's just too, it's too easy to just kind of cut and paste a comment in here and there. And um, every teacher is different. So what works for me in my classroom doesn't maybe work for you in your classroom. So to, uh, to not personalize it, I think does the whole system a disservice. Agreed. That's a great takeaway. Um, I want to highlight another uh, commonality that you and I both have, and I want to make sure that I stress the dates because people misconstrue. They've heard publicly. But you and I are both uh, getting to a point where we're going to um, change our priorities uh, career-wise and, and see what our next phase of life does. But that doesn't begin until June 30th of 2024. So people are listening. I want to make sure we get those dates and time, timelines correct. But if I could ask you to reflect back before we get, we've got, uh, we're both sophomores this year. Uh, if I could ask you to reflect back on all those years, is there something you could, you could highlight as something you're most proudest of? And then the second part of that is, you know, people think two years, that's a, that's a chunk of time, but it will go by so quickly. What do you want to get accomplished in those next couple of years? I think the, uh, the biggest source of pride for me is just the way the staff operates at West High. Mm. So uh, we have, I, I keep saying this, but I, I, I think we have the best teaching staff in the state of Illinois, I really do. Maybe, I, I would say even broader than that. I, I am so proud of the work that our staff has done, especially during the pandemic. And I'll give you an example. So we, um, and this was a district-wide thing, it wasn't just West High, but our staff are so committed to students. Like during the pandemic, we could have been like other districts and said, okay, just, just teach from home. That's going to be the easiest thing. Our staff wanted to come in. And I don't know if the community at large realizes that the vast majority of our staff came in even when we were fully remote and were teaching from the building because they felt it was important to come to work and show people that they're coming to work. And then when it was time to, to start introducing students back into the, into the building, the, the staff were completely focused on how can we get as many students in our building as possible safely because we want to see the kids, we want to interact with the students. Even though it might be easier for me to teach at home, they're just completely focused on the students. So I'm really, really proud of our staff. Our, our staff is absolutely committed to the best that they can possibly be for our students. And I want to hope that I, that I had something to do with that. I think it's probably more about them than it is about me. But that's, um, that's one, of the, one of the great prides that I have. I'm very proud of the fact that our curriculum has evolved. We, we, we approached curriculum. It was a very difficult thing to do. But we, we shifted our curriculum away from a tracked curriculum yeah. where – Certain kids have opportunities uh, to do high-level work, and certain don't. A lot of times based on where they were placed in a class in second or third grade. We got rid of that, and that was hard to do. And the teachers, again, our staff committed to doing that. So now every student in our building has access to a rigorous curriculum. And I can go into any class now and say, okay, I see kids talking to each other. I see kids challenging each other. I see rigorous coursework being done as opposed to students filling out worksheets remembering things, things like that. And that's a life skill as well. Right. Absolutely. 
So in, in the, the final throws of the last two years, what's something that you really want to get accomplished? I, I, we, I don't want to do anything new. And so one of the things I've tried to be is consistent. So the focus has been almost since I walked in the door is, is rigor, uh, thinking, questioning, getting students to think, getting kids to solve problems. I don't want to change that focus. But what I want to be able to do when I leave in, in June of 2024, I want to be able to walk into every classroom at West and see kids engaged in dialogue, engaged in challenge, hmm. engaged in difficult conversations um, in, in a positive and productive way without being afraid of uh, making a mistake or, or being chastised for, for having an opinion that's different from somebody else. I want our students to be able to, to, to operate in a world where they can, they can take in information, they can evaluate the information, they can apply the information, they can solve problems, um, but they can do it in a way that makes sense. Because to be honest with you, we, we aren't getting that from some of the adults in our society right now. Very true. Our students do a much better job uh, interacting with one another and valuing each other's opinions than some of our adults do. And I want to I be able to say that that's happening consistently at West Rowe High School when I leave. Awesome. It's a big aspiration, but certainly attainable. We're getting there. I'm going to ask you to think really broadly now. Um, in your many years of education, what do you think we need to do to improve how we, we foster education, how we deliver the educational model? This is a really good question, and it's, um, I, I, I could potentially say something that's politically incorrect here, but I'll try to do it in a way that's professional. People who don't understand education, especially those in, in positions of authority at the state and national level, level need to get out of the way. Mm. They need to stop with some of the regulations and mandates and some of the, some of the peripheral things that they pile on us and let us get back to teaching and getting kids to learn and focusing on what matters. And what matters isn't necessarily test scores and, and things like that, because those are, depending on what your population is, um, let's, I'll give you an example. So we, we have, um, we, we, one of our, our strongest programs here is, is World Relief. So we have our EL kids. These are kids that are coming in from other places in the world, refugees sometimes. Um, they don't speak English as the first language. I can't remember what the actual time frame is, but when a student can come into West Aurora High School speaking no English, and if they, let's say they come in as a freshman, by the time they're juniors, they need to take the ACT or the SAT test now. And that test score counts against our school. Yes. That student is not likely to do very well on the SAT if they've only been in the country for a couple of years and, and don't speak English fluently. So I would like to see us get away from the test scores, the mandates, all those thing, kind of things and focus on what matters. That is learning, challenge. Um, what opportunities are we giving students uh, for employment at the next level? Do we have programs to help them assimilate? Do we have programs to help them overcome uh, some of the challenges that they have? Because every kid that comes to us has some kind of challenge. Absolutely. You know, what are we doing for those students? But at the same time, we also don't want to create a situation where we, we make it so easy for the student that they expect to just be coddled. And, and so this, this is where I, I probably get a little politically incorrect, and that is, I think, Going back to the self-esteem movement, when I started in education in the late 80s, early 90s, was probably one of the most damaging things we did to students, where everybody, we're going to praise you no matter what. We're going to pat you on the back no matter what you do, because somehow we're going to build your self-esteem. Well, the research shows very clearly that that was damaging. And so now we know that self-efficacy and self-esteem comes from accomplishing something meaningful, working through a problem, and, and, and 
accomplishing something that was difficult. That's where self-esteem comes from, not from a pat on the back. So I'd like to see us get away from the pats on the back and just focus on what matters. Back to reality. Yeah. Back to reality. Um, advice time. You talked about um, the end of your tenure, end of June of 2024. What advice would you give your successor? Um, I would say two things I could say, probably focus on the kids, stay focused on the kids, and then don't make changes for the sake of making changes. One of the most frustrating things for educators, and I've heard this throughout my career, is bandwagon jumping. You know, what's the latest trend? Let's jump on the bandwagon. Right now it's, it's uh, I shouldn't call it a bandwagon, but the big the push right now because of COVID is social-emotional learning. Yes. Okay, it, it's important. I'm not saying it's not. But it seems like every of the 200 sales emails I get every day, probably 190 of them are related to some kind of social emotional learning program. And I think um, if, if an administrator comes in and just jumps on what the latest trend is and then kind of leaves behind some of the other things we're working on, like I think our, our goals of, of fostering curiosity, joy, complexity, those things are, are lasting things that we can continue to focus on. I think our kids would echo that same sentiment. Um, I think they would say, hey, talk to us, work with us, treat us like young adults, and let's move on. It's interesting you say that because my, when I meet with my principal's advisory group, which is a great group, uh, they're, they're kind of a cross-section of the school. And we talked about some of this one of, during our first meeting, and one of the things they told us was quit babying us. Yeah. You know, hold us accountable. And that's from them. Mm -hmm. We should listen to them. It's a great student voice. We have our culminating event coming up here on May 22nd, um, the commencement for West Aurora High School. Do you have any advice for the graduating class? Well, they've, they've, my advice for the graduating class is kind of what I, what I tell students all the time, work hard. You know, you're finished with your high school career. Whatever you choose to do, whether it's, you know, you go to a trade program, you go to uh, the military, you go to college, whatever you choose to do, keep working hard. Have an open mind. Listen to people. Um, those are the skills that are going to get you ahead. But hard work solves everything. I tell my kids this all the time. When in doubt, work harder. You know, don't make an excuse. Uh, don't try to blame somebody else when, when things don't go your way. So why didn't things go my way? And then, and then adjust and work harder. That, that's what you do. I think uh, with the formula you gave us a, a couple of years ago was, was, what was it? Um, e plus R equals O. Yeah, E plus R equals O. So that is, uh, you know, that's basically taking your reaction to, to an event results in what your opportunity is. So Absolutely. there's an event, there's your reaction, and then there's your, the opportunity that arises of it. So that's the advice I would give to our graduates. Awesome. Sage advice from uh, someone who has seen a lot, done a lot, and been very successful. Uh, Dr. Chuck Hiscock, principal of West Rural High School, we really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and wisdom and your reflections. Thank you. I appreciate coming in. Absolutely. Finally, we got you to the table before uh, we, before we called it the last hurrah. So uh, please remember that uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and the TuneIn Radio app. I would encourage you to subscribe to our broadcast, and please give us your feedback so we can continue to improve our discussions. Thanks again, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for having me.